Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the digital workspace inner workings. Welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast, Mike. Do you want to give a, a short introduction to yourself? Sure. I'm uh, Mike Schumacher. I'm the uh, founder of Lakeside Software. I'm uh, still involved in the uh, strategy and kind of product planning in the big picture. Um, and, you know, a lot of uh, kind of special projects that help the company um, uh, succeed in the market. And I still enjoy opportunities to talk to a lot of our key customers and partners and um uh, and really uh, still excited about the whole digital workspace world. Great. And on that topic, what does digital workspace mean to you? You know, it's interesting. Digital workspace to me is the the most important tool that most knowledge workers in the world use today. It's um, uh, if you think about, you know, what are you know, we live in a, in a data world. And if you think about the people that work with that data, the tools, the digital tools that they use, uh, on a on a day to day basis are are absolutely critical to to their happiness you know overall in 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 doing their jobs to to their success to to their productivity you know and it's one of these rare cases for me where both um, you know when you when you improve the quality of a digital workspace everybody's happy uh, the employer is happier they get they get more productivity more results and the employee is happy too. They, you know, they have a, a better working experience, less frustration, and then their end customers for, for whatever, whatever business they're in, they benefit from a higher quality of service too. So I think that it, uh, to me, that the digital workspace is the, is the most important tool facing uh, that knowledge workers use in the market today. Yeah. I mean, and this is how we, we started our friendship 10 years ago. Uh, I, yeah. I took a role that was all about that. And, um, I mean, now that now the rest of the world is sort of caught up with the pandemic, being forced to to understand all these things because now everyone's been pushed out of offices where it was a controlled environment into their homes where it's a less controlled environment and and poor connectivity and working remotely have have accentuated or highlighted gaps in in their workplace. Yeah, I think even even more so. You've even got hybrid work now where people work. You know, from the office, large, largely for collaboration purposes, and then they work independently from wherever they are. So it's not even just, you know, working from home. It's working from the office and working from home and maybe working from the road or wherever you happen to be. So it's a it's a it, it's definitely a different world from from where from where we were a couple of years ago. You know, I think if you think about, you know, when we first met about, you know, the world was just kind of figuring out that the that the data uh, was valuable. I mean, think of all the things that uh, that you know. If you think back ten years ago, it was a different a different time and a different world. Well, well, exactly. And I think the maturity of of organizations in those days, there were probably you could count them on your hand. People that were looking at this stuff to, and not only just to look at it from a measurement point of view, but also to manage it with proactive measures. You know, restarting machines, doing automatic disk cleanups, looking at end user health scores to to make sure they got the best experience. And looking at the productivity loss from a poor environment. Yeah, I think that um, uh, we're still just scratching the surface on on what's possible with with, with using that data to to your advantage. You know, I think 
I think it all kind of begins with with kind of having a good system of record because you can't really improve and optimize things that you can't see. You know, so so measuring it is is on the path to to improving it for sure. But I think I think that we're still using, you know, I I think relatively early days of of what's possible with uh, with automation and improvement. Yeah, that's why you, the way you measure that, you mentioned that because a, a lot of the problems when you have these issues is it's all about opinions. Well, we think it's this, we think it's we think it's that causing the latency, or your machine's not working because we think it's a hard drive problem. But when you've got the data, you can actually ascertain with a, with a much less opinionated thing, but a much, much more empirical view that it actually is something. It is the hard drive. It is memory. It is CPU. Yeah, there's actually a great analogy. Um, uh, some years back. The, uh, the PGA Tour started cataloging all of the shots that players took. And in the, in the days before that, they'd go out to the course, arrive early, you know, play the course, talk to the locals, learn how to score on, uh, on the course. And when they started cataloging all of the shots and the, and the results, they found that a lot of times the information that the locals had, the advice that you would get, actually wasn't always the best advice because because the data showed something different and i think really the you know the same thing is true probably many times over uh uh, in the digital workspace world where having the data really starts to show where the problems are and and maybe more importantly allows you to become proactive you know being reactive is is you know the 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 way that most of the world still works but the proactive side of that of, of being able to figure out which things impact the most people, which applications are critical to their jobs and really need to be right. It's that, that ability to be, to be proactive, I think, really is kind of a game-changing technology. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, that, that was always the goal we had when I, when I worked in those organizations was to be proactive. And, you know, by identifying those core systems uh, or services to the end user, you took away a lot of the noise as well because you, you could prioritize where your work was focused. Too often you you know you're firefighting everywhere, but by having good data you can make good decisions. Yeah, yeah. sorry that that whole persona notion, right? I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah you, you've been involved with that for a long time. It's really understanding. Yeah, I probably have, I probably have fifty applications on my on my uh, on my surface, but realistically, there's about four or five of them that I just have to have, and a lot of the other ones. If you took it away and replaced it with something else, it doesn't. It doesn't really matter to me. I, you know, it's kind of it's kind of extra. I mean, it's it's useful, but it just isn't isn't so important. But really, if you can kind of understand which are those critical applications and focus your energy on making sure that the experience when you're using those is great, a lot of good things happen. So, what do you think about the move to more browser-based applications? Do you think that's going to reduce the need to carry a surface around or something like that, or, or do you think there'll always be a a laptop or, or, or an equivalent. Well, I think you're going to have some kind of a device. I mean, I think I think whether you're using installed apps or you're using web apps or you're using published apps or you know whatever whatever technology you're using, uh, you've got to access that app somehow. So to me, everything is about the user. Like it's a user centric thing. I want to know what what Ryan's experience is and. To me, the device that you're using is like, uh, you know, is an attribute of Ryan. It's the device you happen to be using today. I, you know, maybe maybe tomorrow you'll be on a different device. You know, I, I know I know I use two or three different uh, different things. I use a, a, a VM. Um, I use my Surface. I certainly use a a, a, a cell phone. 
you know, and I think mm-hmm. all of these things are kind of part of the way that I work. And so I think you really have to look at it as a as a user centric thing and the device is an attribute of the user. I think when you look sp- more narrowly at cloud apps, which I, I think, you know, I, I use a ton of cloud apps and I'm sure just about everybody does. I think mm-hmm. the only place that you're going to get interesting, you know, useful data in order to 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 ensure the quality of that service and to improve it is going to be at the endpoint because you you can't if you have if you have 10 cloud cloud app providers you can't instrument the the their clouds, right? I mean they're they're, they're providing a service to you. The only place that you can really instrument it is out at that endpoint. I think Gartner has called it the uh, a privileged vantage point. I think it was many years ago that they that they coined that phrase, but I think that really is true. That that it's the only place where you can really kind of see what the user's actual experience is like. Yeah, I mean you're so right. If you look at the the Amazon outages last week, you know, there's no evidence or information shared with any of us to to why they were down or, or what was being done about it. So your only information you can get is of what you can control, which in most cases will be the endpoint. And that's all about the user again and, and giving them the right tool. So, so I'm similar to you in the sense that I use a, mostly Apple products. So my iPad is my intermediate device, which is always in my bag. I've got my phone as well, obviously, which I can do some stuff on. And I'd be lost without, without those two devices. I can get away with, the, with, with them 80% of the time. Uh, there's only certain applications that I'll go back to a laptop for. And, and that just becomes a, uh, a personal preference as much as a, a productivity preference. Yeah, I think you use whichever one is most convenient for you and helps you get your job done. You know, just like a you know a carpenter building a house has a lot of tools in his bag, and which tool he uses depends on what he's trying to do, right? I mean, if I'm if I'm if I'm trying to drive nails, a hammer is a pretty useful tool. You know, if I'm trying to 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 cut lumber, then I then I need a saw. You know, I think. I think you have different tools for different jobs, and my guess is that different people might choose a different device for the same problem uh, because it's more convenient to them. They they just find it more useful, and I think I think it's it's really uh, it's really about the user first, and the device is like sort of sort of uh, secondary. It's one of the tools. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I mean, in your experience, I mean, how are you finding the the enterprise maturing uh, with these sorts of, of tools and, and um, you know, again, end user experience and, and, and that becoming a, a more known concept, I guess. Yeah. I think it would be, you know, sort of cliche to say it's a revolution or something like that. But I think, I think the up, the uptake is everywhere. And, but I think, I think really, if you even step back to the broader picture, I think everyone accepts the fact that, that data is really useful and could be used to do a lot of a lot of things and do a lot of things better. And I'm not talking just about digital workspaces. I talk about the whole world is is in is in the business of using data to you know deliver a, a higher quality of service and something that's more useful to, to to people. And I think the the space that you know that I'm interested in in digital workspace is is no no exception to that. I think that we're still Really, you know, we're rapidly learning to take advantage of that data and do something about it. And I think the result really shows. I mean, people get really great return on on uh, on their time and investment on pursuing that sort of thing because they end up fixing the problems that impact real people. And those people become happier. 
you know, we're in a we're in a world where where you know, especially uh, uh, IT and knowledge workers are really scarce. It's very hard to to, to hire people right now because there's there's just more jobs than there are than there are people to do them. And I think when you make people more efficient, that helps. Um, and you you know, it is uh, also important to attracting and retaining people. You know what what tools you'll be using. When you're at that company working every day, is a is a factor in do I do I want to work there? I talked to a to a uh, uh, a guy that manages a large hospital system, and and he said that uh, the application that they were using is is kind of dated, and uh, the physicians complain it's hard to use, it takes too much time. They want to be doctors, right? They, that's what they want to spend their time mm. doing. And so he said they found it's a significant factor in their ability to retain their staff is the the quality of that service. Um, And so, you know, anything that he can do to improve that, you know, they see more patients, they, they, you know, with, with the same amount of people, but, but maybe for him, he said, it's more important than that. It's the ability to retain my staff because the quality of the tools they use really impacts their, their view of that world. Yeah. I remember working for a real estate company and and there was a, a conversation with some COOs saying, that if we don't hire staff with with an that if we don't provide the sort of modern way of working, you know, an app on a on a phone or or an iPad or something like that, people won't want to come work for us because they think we're old and archaic. Even if there's nothing well, on the iPad, yeah. give them an iPad. Yeah, and yeah, it's also <laughs> yeah, it it just bothers you, right? I mean, you know, it, it's like it doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter if it affects your paycheck. It affects your happiness, right? And 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 the way you're doing your job. And and nobody nobody wants to work on stuff that's broken and 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 difficult to use. So I think I think as we improve prove that experience, like kind of where where we started, like everybody's happy, right? You know, because the employer is happy, the staff is happy, and the customer is happy because they get a greater quality of service. It just isn't that often that that you come up with something where where everybody, literally everybody wins. Uh, but I think this is, this is, is kind of one of those things. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, and I think if you, if you look at the, the, there was the movement of sort of bring your own device to work. And I'd almost go as far as saying now it's, it's bring your own app to work in the sense that if you are comfortable with a set of tooling, you could almost see that tooling moving around with you. So, you know, uh, use a CRM example. If you've worked with Salesforce, any business you go into, if they don't have a CRM or the CRM's not performing, they'll end up with Salesforce because mm-hmm. it's a good experience. The the, um, the onboarding's good. The, the app works. It's it's got all the entry points you need from a you know mobile tablet um, laptop point of view, and it almost becomes I don't want to say religious, but it it does drive a um, a good experience because. There's a it self sells itself. The people sell it, not the not the company trying to sell the software. And I think that's just the the byproduct of what you're saying. Happy workers who've been productive elsewhere with like, with good tooling and and a good experience accelerate the the adoption elsewhere. That's true, and I think you also have a um, a large staff coming in that is much more experienced, IT savvy. And uh, mm. digitally experienced than than people were years ago. You know, I think that uh, that that everybody does. It starts with you know, uh, one 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 of my kids told me something. Oh, you got to crack me up because she's like sixteen and says something. Oh, they they got a they got a five hundred four error. How embarrassing, you know. And I just thought to myself, wow, you know, like this is this is just the um, 
the, the level where people come from because they use the digital technologies, not just in their job, but they use it at home in a, in a consumer experience. And I think that as, as they get more savvy, what, what, you were, what you were just saying is exactly what happens, which is they tend to want to bring their tools and they want, more importantly, they want that, that consumer-like experience yeah, every day in their job like they expect when they're, when they're at home. And why shouldn't they? Why shouldn't they have a they, – they, everyone should have that kind of experience. You know, there was a, there was a study recently that something like, like one in a hundred digital workspace problems gets reported to IT, like one in a hundred. Um, because people just – you know, they don't want to call the help desk. They, they struggle through it. They deal with it. Um, but if you think about what that means and think about what the opportunity is in terms of, of making people happier, if you can if you can just solve any any small number of problems, people will start to have a much better experience. And I think uh, that's where kind of that that proactive side of the world comes in. Yeah, I remember we did some of the study and we, we found that often the person wouldn't raise a ticket because at the time they would rather muscle through the problem because they're on a deadline. And then when they got through the problem and delivered what they needed to deliver, they felt that it wasn't necessary to, to raise a ticket because it wasn't a pressing issue anymore. Um, and often the person they were dealing with to help fix the issue knew less about the problem than they knew. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and once they've solved it, they don't, they don't need anybody's help anymore. I know how to solve that. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, they go on solving the problem, fixing the problem over and over and over again because they know how and, you know. Uh, you, you just accept that, but this is where this is where people's frustration tends to come from because they start to feel like, yeah, what do they, you know, what, why, why, do, why do I have to deal with this all the time? Uh, and and it, and pr- sometimes the answer is because nobody knows that you're having the problem in the first place. Nobody's going to fix it if they don't know. But but I think that's that's where that's where that that proactive side of the world really comes into play. And I think I think that's making a difference for for many companies today. Yeah, it's so funny you say that because I worked for an organization where there was a, a a huge resistance to logging a ticket. And and what they would rather do is they'd wait till uh, you know an executive comes in for the coffee break uh, meeting. And then they, they, they'd almost launch all their problems at this poor executive saying, oh, this thing doesn't work, that thing doesn't work. And then that would get fed through the, the executive chain all the way back down to the to engineering ops to say, oh, these are all big problems. And, and people would sort of look at each other and go, we've never heard of these problems. Yeah, yeah. But when you check them out, it turns out they are a problem, right? It, 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 yeah. It's real. You know, it's just you just didn't know about it. And that's where that's where having that that ability to kind of to kind of objectively see what's going on without relying on people calling you and telling you that's that's really that's kind of really key. And I think that's where digital workspaces are right now. You know, it's it's harder if you think about many companies, they manage their servers they manage their data center they manage power they manage security they manage their networking they manage everything right except the edge except the endpoints but mm. all of the user experience all of the user experience occurs right at that edge and so i think that that you know the most important thing uh in some cases is the one thing that they're not managing and uh, uh and that's and that really i look at that that's really opportunity it's really it's really an opportunity yeah, no, I remember. That. I mean, I remember moving from from JP Morgan to to another company. You know, big bank. You know, everything's encrypted. Everything's got controls and risk. You know, because it's it's 
you know, part of the part of the culture to this other organization where none of that was in place. And it was and it was the biggest shell shock because you knew that, that, that there was a certain level of things that, that should have been in place and they weren't in place. And you could you could talk to the operational guys on the floor and they were just chasing all these problems all the time because there was none of the basics, uh, you know, standardization, monitoring tools, processes to scale, you know, proactiveness. None of those things were there. And uh, you could just never see them getting ahead of the problem. Uh, yeah. They were always going to be behind. Yeah, well, that's that the the benefit of proactive when you start to when you start to get a win is that every little win you get there is amplified and reduces the reactive side of the world. You know, and and it's a hard thing to get used to because you're really really busy in the reactive world and you don't have any spare cycles to start being proactive. Mm-hmm. But if you can find a way to just get a little bit of a start, what happens is you start to take a dent out of the uh, reactive side, and then you start to have more cycles. And as you have more cycles, if you put those back into being more proactive and fixing more things, you have even more cycles. And so you you once you, it's hard it's hard to get that ball started, but once mm-hmm. it's rolling, it 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 tends to pick up speed. And I don't think that means, and by the way, that 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 reactive. Uh, will entirely go away. I, I, there will always be some amount of that that happens because some errors are, are you know, self-inflicted. You know, it's a user user made a mistake and they need help. Um, nothing wrong. They just they just need help. They need training. They need to know how to do something um, or just unusual things. Um, I think that'll still be there. But I think as as you, people get better and better at proactive, more incidents will be resolved. Will be avoided that way. Then will be fixed, you know, the uh, the reactive way. Yeah, you're so right. You know, I, I remember when we started our, our proactive stuff you know, 10 years ago, and and you start seeing the first sort of things coming through. I mean, just 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 doing a disk cleanup, you know, such a simple exercise, or forcing a machine to reboot because you have the data and you're doing the monitoring. You can see the health scores go up. Um, you can see tickets go away because that's really what you're trying to avoid in, in most of these cases is, is, is tickets being created, um, usually because that ticket's got a, a dollar value to it because you're using an outsourced team, you know, sort of level one, level two. Um, so there's a for the, for the company, you're saving money, but for the end user, you're giving them a better experience because you're proactively fixing. Um, and you're also changing their perception of IT. You know, IT is just, a, you know, those guys when there's probably go to, the, go to them and they always tell you it's hard. But now you're showing them that you can do something in a good way that um, yeah, proactively fixes the machine, which is a, a good use of automation. Yeah, I I agree. If you think the example I always like is is like you, you have crashes that occur and, you know, people restart the app and they continue on. Yeah, they're a little frustrated. Maybe I lost a little bit of work. Maybe I didn't. Um, but 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 the, the, that that cra- those crashes happen. And, you know. When you when you start to actually pay attention to that, and you start to catalog those, and you start to look at at you know at their at their crash signature and figure out which ones are the same and which ones are different, and start to say, well, you know, this one only happens on Ryan's system. Okay, it's his system. There's something wrong on that system mm. to fix. Whereas you know you look at this one and say, wow, this is impacting like like thousands of people in our organization. I have the ability to go out to the to the to the vendor of that application and say, hey. I've I've got thousands of people, and this is the crash signature. And I can you know give you as many examples as you as you'd like to see. And by the way, I can tell you 
what, what's happening leading up to that and, uh, you know, about system resources and what it's connected to. I can give you all that data to help that vendor fix that problem. Sometimes you can go out and look at the, at, at community-wide data and say, well, not only is this happening in my organization, but it, it's happening to lots of organizations. You know, there's no point in me kind of kind of chasing that internally on a reactive basis. I'll, I'll, I'll go get a hold of the vendor and try to get it fixed. But if you don't have that data and you don't you don't see it in the first place, it just keeps on happening. And this is where that the other 99 problems that don't get reported happen. You know, it, it, it crashes and people go, ah, you know, ah, bummer. I hate that, you know, but 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 I deal with it and I restart it and life continued again. I don't call anybody. I don't tell anybody. I just deal with it. So I think that that proactive side is uh, is just really powerful. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the way of the future. Um, I mean, I mean, we we remember looking at well, I, well, I suppose a couple of things. This one was with with having a, a base build, which which is your standard for all your machines. All your proactive fixes fixes become built into your new build, so your build becomes more stable, and then you build new new proactive fixes. So you're spending your time consistently optimizing your your base image, which becomes your your corporate build for your laptops or or your VDIs or whatever, um, mm-hmm. and it becomes so finely tuned that um, it it starts branching out into the services that support it. So you know, go back to our Salesforce example, you're not going to do much of that because it's cloud based, but you are you could fix your um, your network connections out to the to the internet. You could uh, improve your firewalling because now you're, you're not so much hampered by all these reactive situations. Yeah, or by the resources that it takes your browser to run that app. Um, that that that's mm. a factor too. Um, I think that I think one of the challenges with with the whole proactive thing is there is a lot of data involved. I mean, there's a lot of data, and the reason mm. is that there's so many things that 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 can go wrong. You know, I mean, why would you why would you possibly care about recording the uh, USB device usage history on, on a system. Why would you possibly care about that? Well, most of the time you probably don't. But if you're planning, you know, for the next device, you might care about that. And maybe more importantly, maybe the problem you're trying to solve is related to a change in the device history. You know, I'm just picking like one one tiny little example, but there's there's so many things that you know that are that are possibly feeding into problems. It, it leads to needing to to build a really really high quality system of of, of record that can ha- that can be both deep and wide. Um, uh, I've just I've just learned that over the years that you know that that having having the information. I, I guess my parallel would be like in the airline industry, right? They 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 run a black box on the airplane. They they. They keep that data most of the time. They collect the data. The data gets old. The data gets deleted. Nobody needed it, right? But the one time when when you really need that data, its value is is incredible. But in order to make it happen, you got to collect a huge amount of information all the time, so that when something does go wrong, you have the ability to solve that problem the first time with one example. Um, uh, and and I think. That's a that's a challenge in our in our business, but there are architectural ways to 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 do that, and I think it's possible with I know it's possible with the technology we have today. Yeah, you look at planes, and, and it's almost surprising that they aren't feeding their data. You know, that black box isn't streaming through some satellite system to a centralized hub or or, or nearby 
hub wherever it goes. I mean, you look at the MH370 and its disappearance. Um, well, I think the re- yeah the reason is that 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 the amount of data that's collected, the number of of things that's recorded at the frequency they're recording is an extraordinary amount of information. And even if you did that, you would still have cases where, you know, the connectivity is lost, now the records are incomplete, right? You you it, it's exact parallel to to digital workspaces with workers that are working all over the place. Sometimes you don't have that connectivity, but you really want to have that record. And most of the time, the vast majority of the time, nobody actually needs all of that information it's only when i'm looking at a specific mm. kind of problem that happens and this is to me this is this is where the power of of edge kind of factors in you know cloud you know you know for 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 our company uh, just about all new product that we sell is is our is our cloud platform you know we still have an on prem platform and there's certain unusual cases where that makes sense but most almost all customers are 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 on the cloud platform however just being on a cloud platform doesn't mean that we don't use any edge computing. You know that that really high quality uh, system of record that's recording an incredible amount of data. Uh, you know, incredible amount of data. I think I think we looked at a at a at a bank recently that has something like a hundred thousand systems. I think we were recording like 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 three or four hundred million samples per second across across that enterprise, and it seems like a huge amount, but when you use edge computing, it's super cheap, right? I mean, you, you, you can keep it right at the edge. You can do it, in, and, and no one will even – we use almost no resources at all to do it, just like in the airline industry where just keeping it in that black box recorder. And then you send to the, to, to the ground station for an airplane, to the cloud for, for my kind of thing. You send just certain kind of summary data most of the time. You know, you want to know what the uh, – what the uh, 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 aircraft ID is, you want to know the altitude, you want to know the airspeed, right? I mean, you can send those things all the time, but you can really keep the high quality, you know, the high high resolution data, you know, very cheaply, right, right, right in that uh, in that black box recorder. And I think I think we do exactly the same thing for exactly the same reasons. Yeah, and that makes sense when you think about proactive solutions. You, you fix them at the edge, but you give the feedback to to the central brain, if you like. To say, well, we had this issue on this device, so we fixed it. That goes into yeah. the central repository. That gets um, calculated as part of a next set of of um, fixed rules, if you like, and that gets pushed down to all the edges again to say, well, if you if you have this problem in the future, try the solution first. Then this this then if that doesn't work, try this one, and you have a more intelligent system learning from yeah. from all these feedback loops. Exactly, and you know the the connectivity is uh, when the connectivity is there. You know, um, which it you know in today's world mostly is. It's very easy to reach out to that edge and grab grab anything that you that you need when you want that level of detail. So you don't really, you know, you don't really lose anything. It's just that the the advantage of edge in terms of in terms of scalability, in terms of mobility, in terms of dealing with lack of lack of connectivity. Sometimes there's advantages in privacy. Mm-hmm. You know, where you know you don't have to send all that information to a central thing; you just keep it right on the machine itself, close to where the data is. There's advantages there. There's um, there's just so many reasons, and you know, I think you point to 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 one of the one of the really great ones. You know, there's a a, a Peter Levine paper some some years back that really did a nice job of. I think it was like the end of cloud computing or something like that, which was you know kind of tongue in cheek, right? But the point was really that. There are a lot of things that make sense as edge computing complementing what a cloud does, where cloud can be your 
kind of sometimes your command and control, but sometimes you need to make decisions very rapidly uh, in real time. And doing that from an edge platform makes makes a ton of sense. And I think in the digital workspace world, that's especially the case where the ability for that for that endpoint to be able to make its own decisions and act on it in real time is important. You know, I, I'm the, my classic example is think about you know you're 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 working remotely somewhere and you got a problem with your wireless adapter. Well, hopefully you've got enough intelligence on the edge and enough autonomy that you can that you can uh, uh, run automation and fix it without having to talk to the cloud because the whole problem is you can't talk to the cloud. So. Um, you know th- that that edge computing action, I think uh, you know that that you just described is a is a is a, a win. I mean that's probably the most common situation prior to the pandemic. People traveling around and having an issue in a hotel, trying to use the Wi-Fi and they can't get on, or they can get on the Wi-Fi but it's so poor they can't get their VPN connected, or something like that. And and that's when you realize how how much help you need from a technical a technical person from your support desk, and how difficult that is to to assist with remotely if you can't get connected um yeah that's right know, all these all these right. sort of tools so so it, it's a yeah it's always a conundrum to try and fix all those or perceive all those problems but that's where the data always makes such a big difference if you've got the the patterns that you can see mm-hmm. these things are causing yeah i think i think the world you know it's a it's a combination of 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 cloud and edge computing that you know that makes a lot of mm. architectural sense in my world for what i work on and i think in a lot of things um, uh, it, it, it does make, uh, make a ton of sense. Um, but in, in any case, it, the, the, the key is the key to all of this is really having, you know, the, the, the high quality data of, of what people are trying to do and how well it's working or not working and enough details to be able to fix problems and the ability to proactively get out in front of things, fix things before people actually complain you know it, it it's just it's game changing for, for for a customer it's it's the first time that uh that the the architectural team calls the help desk and said hey you know we've uh, we've got this proactive problem here that we've discovered today we're working on fixing it you may get some calls today you know about mm. people struggling with this no need to ticket it we're already working on it resolving it. or even a step better you know, put a note in the ticket when the user goes to you know to to to, to try to to report it it comes up and says, no, there's an IT bulletin that says, yeah, we're having a problem with that app today, and we already know about it. We're working on fixing it, and you don't need to ticket it. You, know, you can save thousands and thousands of tickets, and the people that, that were just answering calls and telling people that, yeah, hey, we already got that fixed. We're already working on that, maybe. That time is better spent doing doing other things, and when you change to that to that proactive model it's just like your your whole view is your your view of the way you 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 run it is is permanently different yeah and it changes perception um we had a survey one of the companies i worked with where it was the number one problem things weren't fixed or whatever whatever the reasons were and just by saying that you're aware of it that that gets the uh-huh okay well, at least they know about it. i don't have to raise a ticket they're, they're on the ball uh, and, it's, and it puts confidence back into um, the service they're getting, which means when you have a conversation about something else, maybe investing more in in new hardware or something like that, you're starting from a, a confident place with with, with IT as, as knowing what they're doing versus IT that's not in a good position. Yeah, quantified business impact, right? When 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 you can yeah. when you can show what you're doing to make the business better, it, it just it just changes the way people's perception of IT fundamentally, and and I think really. 
if if you think you even take a wider view of digital workspaces and say, you know, this actually impacts more than IT people. This impacts HR. You know, it affects how how happy are people. Mm. Um, um, it affects it affects their 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 retention. It affects um, planning. It affects it affects so many <laughs> different things and so many parts of the job. I mean, look at your own work at a at a at a couple of really large banks and all the uses that you found for data that weren't IT, that at least they weren't strictly mm. IT. Yeah, join a mover lever. That, that's a fantastic process. I mean, well, a fantastic use of data for a process because you, yeah. you have someone coming in, they're taking on a role, you know what the role had, what the person who had the role before had in the sense of uh, applications or security access or the device they were using. Um, so you can order the right device so you're not spending potentially unnecessary funds buying an over over spec machine. Um, but you're also giving the person that joins all the accesses they need to make the onboarding uh, a lot better. And then if someone's moving roles, you're taking the access away and you're giving them the access they need for the new role. So that's from a security point of view, um, quite a big deal. Uh, and then again, you know, the right choice for the right hardware. So everyone feels like it's a much better experience because you're giving them a, almost a white glove experience. Um, but you're yeah, just using. I, I, Sorry, I, yeah. I completely agree. Completely agree. I, I had one just really classic example. I had a customer who um, who end up using the day they're building a new building, and they're moving people from some of the people from several other buildings, moving a, a, a department into this new thing, and they're trying to figure out how big of a parking lot do we need? You know, because they they don't all work the same shift; they work different times. You know, and somebody said, "Well, they're all knowledge workers," and we know we can we can easily produce a concurrency map show us how many people are logged in by day on a given period of time and they ended up using the data to size their parking lot you know because we know how many people are are going to be here at any at any at any point in time and and then somebody even said well look we can look at the steepness of the curves on Monday morning and Friday afternoon and know how many lanes we need you know for for in and out of the parking lot and i just loved it not so much because it had like a gigantic impact but just because it was a really novel use of what normally would be pretty IT-ish kind of data in a really non-IT kind of kind of way, and I think that um, I, I think there's so much opportunity to do that, and really for customers to create business impact um, that that's that's meaningful that goes even beyond IT. Oh, yeah, that's that's such a good example. Uh, I was thinking about airports, and uh, I've seen these sort of red green lights. Um, when you park at the airport, it tells you that you've taken the spot and then they can count how many parking spaces are open versus closed. And that just saves your time with wasting time driving around looking for a parking spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go, go to the third floor, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's the same, it's the same, same exact parallel using the data, uh, to, to make people happier because that person that's driving around in that parking lot, it's not very fun. You know, it's very stressful. You know, if you can if you can solve that problem for people, you'll have you'll have a happier customer. Definitely. If if you look at the the average business that you that you sort of talk to, I mean, is there a sense now that I mean, obviously more now with with the pandemic than before, but is there a sense now that they're going more mobile first? Um, versus office first. I mean, this is sort of cloud to edge analogy is the same as being in the office versus working on uh, outside. Um, I mean, are you seeing something along those lines from your conversation? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a broad mix, right? And it's a pretty fluid fluid situation these these days uh, in the world in general. I, I, if I had to kind of, you know, say, what do we see the most? Uh, I think we see IT wanting to, to provide flexibility. They want to be in a position where, you know, if we all wanted to work at the office, we could, no problem. If we all wanted to work remote, we could. I think I think people are, a lot of organizations are settling on a, a hybrid model where, where it's great for people to get together and collaborate and be a team uh, and 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 do their collaboration kind kind of kind of live when they can. I think it's 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 fun um, uh, and and you you do get a little bit of that one plus one equals three, you know, or one plus one equals eleven. Yeah, sometimes kind of uh, uh, kind of feeling. But I think there's also uh, a recognition that 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 people have parts of their job that that really don't require that collaboration. And sometimes people can be productive wherever they are. And, and you really want people to, to, to be happy and to, to maximize productivity. So I think, I think I I would answer that question by saying most of my customers, it's very important to them right now to be able to support a, a hybrid or a, a anywhere kind of model. So it, you know, we're, we're prepared to have everybody work remotely, we're prepared to have everybody work in the office, and we're prepared to have you know, any combination that kind of makes sense for, for for the business, where IT is just going to facilitate that flexibility for the rest of the business. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, because you think about hiring now. It used to be that you only hired people in a geographic location that suited your business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you had to have a... Uh, let's, not, let's not talk about the tax implications and all that kind of stuff, but... You know, if you if you wanted to hire someone, they had to be traveling distance to your office. But nowadays, yeah. you can hire anyone as long as they're time zone appropriate, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we're having this this chat today over thousands of miles, right? We could yeah. Be, we could be sitting. I I, I have my coffee. Uh, we could be sitting sitting in the same place having coffee, and that would be, certainly would be nice to see you. Uh, I would enjoy that on a personal <laughs> basis, but um, but it it works. Quite well, the way the way we're 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 doing it, and yeah, where um where you need, you know, where you can't find enough people in the in the geo that you're that you used to look in, I think that's a plus. It's also sometimes specialists that you need that you know they they aren't everywhere. You can't find them everywhere, and and that that flexibility to be able to uh, to hire people wherever they are, I think is uh, is is a real plus sometimes. Yeah, and I think you you can also leverage the time zone differences. You know, if someone's a couple hours ahead of you, you know, you benefit from them working before you come online. And um, mm-hmm. in the same token, you've got the, the, the time zones behind you that you finish working for the day and they can carry on working on something. So you really get, a, you know, a, a, in inverted commas, a full use of 24 hours mm-hmm. um, because you're, you're incrementally moving forward. But now you've got the technology to just sort of do the handoffs as you go um, to keep things, keep the momentum up. Yeah, and that that you know that takes you into um, into to being careful that that you have the right um, <clears throat> work and home balance. You know, when mm. when you're running in that model, you know, especially you know, sometimes managers tend to be become you know twenty four seven creatures, which is not helpful. It's another nice thing you can do with uh, with data if you need it. You know, making sure people are not you know are not working twenty four seven because you really. If you're like if you're like my company, you really value your your people. Your people is your your most important asset by a long shot, and you really want them to be to be healthy for the long term. You really you really want to retain them forever, and you want them really to 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 be to be happy 
and 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 because it translates into better staff, better quality of work, it's better all the way around. And I think there's there's opportunities to uh, to do that with data too, to have to have the the automation remind people, hey, you you know you need you, you need some time off. <laughs> um, I, I I think I think that there is a uh, a strong need for that kind of thing to to protect people as uh, as important uh, really really the most important part of most companies. Yeah, I think you're so right. And if you look at the way um, smart devices have, have played their part, I mean, um, you know, my watch will tell me I need to get up and go for a walk. I was talking to someone this week about notifications on your desktop to say it's time for a break. You've been sitting for too long. You know, the actual desktop telling them as opposed to their their smart device. Um, but also as part of their, their sort of daily check-in, asking a person how they feel because you're not seeing them physically all the time. You can't pick up the the sort of behavioral changes of someone that's going through a rough time or, um, you know, just needs someone to have a chat with them. Um, yeah. And also I find people don't like to use their cameras. So you're also, you're also missing that the facial or the body language ex- uh, expressions that can also give you a hint that maybe you need to have a, a side chat and see if they're okay. Yep. Yeah, I think all all of those things are true, and it has to do with with really again, if you if you look at it's 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 job to support a healthy working model, whatever that whatever that model is, whatever's best for the people, that's what you should do, and then IT should you know facilitate that. You know, un- unfortunately, that's a hard job for IT to do. It's it's much more complicated, but I think it's 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 something that uh, that everyone is you know the the organizations we deal with are are stepping up and uh, and, and and providing a way to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a nice position change for IT. I don't know we've, we've talked a lot about IT in this call, but it's it's a nice change in the sense that it, it, it's moving away from being often the cost center that's a begrudging purchase to a part of the solution or an enabler for the business to to get more value quicker or accelerate. Yeah, I, I think measuring business impact, you know, we, we, we talk about that a lot. Uh, it's it's how can you if you can show me if I'm if I'm the business owner, if you could show me, you know, what I'm gonna get for that investment and and and, and what what I realized, it's really easy to fund a lot of things if I'm if I'm getting that kind of that kind of return. But if you can't really measure that impact, it's a lot harder because it feels like it just feels like we're putting so much money into into IT and I and I don't really know what I'm getting out of that. That that ability to uh, to to measure that and report on it, I think I think is 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 a healthy thing for everybody. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. I think it's um, it's about a balance of uh, when someone says, you know, you know, rising waters rise all boats or something. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and that's yeah. positive for all of us. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it is true. Great. Well, thanks very much for coming on to, to the podcast. Um, is there any way that you'd want people to get in contact with you if they're interested? Uh, you find me on uh, LinkedIn easily. Uh, I'm not hard to find there. You'll find uh, uh, the company and what we do with digital workspaces at uh, lakesidesoftware.com. Uh, and uh, would be happy to uh, to follow up with with anybody. And uh, I, I guess my my message to people is I, I really look at at digital workspaces and 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 the the data science and the ability to to become more proactive as really as an opportunity, 
uh, uh, it'll it'll really you you can become a hero for your organization, and you can really make a a, a positive difference. That that again, it's this rare opportunity to make the business happy, the employees happy, and your customers happy, all with the same with the same thing. It 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 really it really feels great when you get those kinds of wins. Uh, and it's it's been great uh, chatting. I uh, appreciate the opportunity. Thanks very much, Mike. Yeah, you're so right. Um, it, it is a uh, it's always good to chat. And, and hopefully next time we chat will be in uh, in Michigan somewhere or uh, I don't know UK yep. or South Africa depends. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really great to me, <laughs> really great. Super, cool. Thanks again. Thanks, Mike. Talk to you later. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.